Good evening, and welcome to Unbreak Your Health, the program about the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'm Alan Smith in Plano, Texas, author of Unbreak Your Health, the complete guide to complementary and alternative therapies. And tonight our topic is humor or laughter therapy, and our special guest is Lenny Dave, president of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Lenny is not a doctor, however, he has been known to perform successful surgery on the human spirit. He is also founder and president of Landmark Communications in Cincinnati and is co-author of the book, Let Your Leadership Speak, How to Lead and Be Heard. Good evening, Lenny, and thank you for being with me tonight. My pleasure. How are you doing, Alan? Wonderful. I'm really looking forward to this show. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that because if you weren't, I'd hang up right now. (laughs) Well, humor or laughter therapy is one of my favorite topics. This is one of the mankind's oldest treatments. As you probably know, it was in the Bible, Proverbs 17:22, where it says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Well, you know, the interesting thing about humor, and so many people have made reference to it, whether it's, you know, in the Bible or so many authors and philosophers have commented on it. There's a great quote from Voltaire who said that God is a comedian playing to an audience who's afraid to laugh. <laughs> and and that really strikes at the heart of it, that life is a wonderful gift, and it is intended, I think, to be fun, but we take it so seriously that we end up missing out on a lot of the joy that is just waiting there to be had. And what, the great thing – go ahead, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, what exactly do we call laughter therapy or humor therapy? Well, I think it's a complementary alternative – means of wellness and healing the spirit. There's, a, I guess, a simple definition to kind of clarify humor and laughter and mirth is that humor is the cognitive perception of something that is playful. Mirth, then, to take it to the next step, is the positive emotion that comes from humor. And laughter is the physical manifestation, the physical behavior that communicates the emotion and the cognitive thought. So when you put all those three together, the whole concept of humor and laughter therapy is using a positive tool that is free, that is fat-free, that is sugar-free, and available to everyone to lighten the load, to lighten the spirit. That's it in a nutshell. And as we know from Norman Cousins, his experience, it's incredibly effective, too, his book Anatomy of an Illness from 1964, he was talking about how just 20 minutes of laughter would give him more than two hours of pain-free sleep, which was more than all the drugs that the doctors were giving him at that point in time. Well, and one of the great quotes that AATH likes to promote is Cousins' quote that the more laughter there is, the higher the quality of life, and the higher the quality of life, the greater the will to live. And so when you look at therapeutic humor, whether it's in healthcare or in senior care, when you can help people to enjoy and appreciate the quality of their life, that will to live is boosted, is strengthened. And and a lot of factors, when you look at on the calendar, what happens in November and December when, when people have something to look forward to, the holidays, they hold on. But then, of course, the opposite happens if you ever study the obituaries, which I don't study, but I kind of look at them to see how in January the number of obituaries goes up dramatically, whereas in December 
it went down and it shrunk dramatically. I'd love to see a research study done on that. Actually, I think there have been several, including also birthdays, that as you, especially like numbers that end in five or zero, those benchmarks that you've got something to look forward to and you're focused on, and the minute they cross that threshold, it's just a matter of either days or weeks before they pass away. Absolutely, absolutely. And so what AATH tries to do is to promote healthy humor. And we're really sensitive to the difference between healthy humor and humor that is hurtful or harmful or it's based on put-downs or laughing at someone else's expense. So healthy humor that is affiliative, that brings people together, it's sympathetic, it's non-hostile, that's the kind of humor that we're talking about here. Not stand-up comedy, not just telling jokes, but humor that brings people together and humor that helps a person, even if it's just to smile, that kind of helpful, healing humor. That's what therapeutic humor is all about. Which is wonderful. What are some of the actual physical and emotional benefits of humor and laughter, Lenny? That's a great question. I think, you know, you can break it down into, I'd say, five or six physical proven positive benefits. One is cardiovascular and that it raises and then lowers, which is probably the more important uh, part of it, the heart rate, and it increases circulation. From a respiratory standpoint, laughter exercises the lungs, which gets the blood moving, and it oxygenates the blood. As you know, when you've got a good belly laugh going on, there's a lot of muscular activity down there, and so you're working the abdominal muscles, which tends to help to massage the internal organs, and they like that and it Mm -hmm. relaxes muscle tension. And then from a stress standpoint, it reduces stress and anxiety, and a number of studies have been done that shows how it impacts positively the level of stress hormones and boosts the immune system. But as I said with Norman Cousins' quote, it's also the emotional impact that is so important, so important. And and I could not agree more, and it cannot be overstated, because as you said, the quality of life is what it's all about. Amen. I'll I'll agree to that wholeheartedly. And the great thing is that more and more studies are being done, whether it's Lee Burke's research out in California or Michael Miller in Maryland. They're doing some interesting studies that prove how laughter and humor impact the performance of the vascular system Mm -hmm. and uh, impact positive blood chemistry. So every time one of these studies comes out, it only helps to boost the legitimacy of the humor and laughter therapy world. But the great challenge that we have is that these studies can't just come out once and be accepted as fact. They've got to get published by peer-reviewed journals. There has to be independent confirmation of the study's findings. They have to be uh, replicated. So the great challenge is not just doing these studies the first time, but having the persistence and the independent confirmation from another party that, in fact, these studies are true, and then perhaps the world will finally say, you know what, you're right. Humor and laughter is the best medicine. We now believe it. And unfortunately, since it can't be patented and a prescription written for it, there's not a lot of money to fund the studies that we need to prove its effectiveness. Well, and, you know, what it comes down to when when you look at it from that perspective is there is the art and the science of humor and laughter, And the art of humor and laughter is a sensory experience, and it is subjective. And we know how we feel, but we can't always, 
you know, concretely describe it, whereas science is so concrete, built upon logical analysis, and it's knowledge-based, and there's the scientific method, and there's this great conflict between the art of humor and the science of humor and laughter. So those two will never, you know, completely meet, and that's really one of the great challenges to getting this quantified and, and legitimized. But what Einstein said was not everything that counts can be measured. So sometimes you just have to accept that it's helpful and leave it at that, and people know they feel good, and that's the bottom line. Absolutely. It would be nice if we could get more studies and research going on, but I think people, especially with the rising stress factors in the world today, they're beginning to recognize missing laughter is an important issue. I read somewhere there was some study done or some some uh, report that between 70 and 90% of visits to healthcare offices or whatever were stress-related. I mean, look what we're doing to ourselves in the world today. We've got gadgets and gadgets and gizmos that make everything happen faster and you can respond in a split second to a gazillion people and I just got a text message and I got an email and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. We're driving ourselves nuts. We're making ourselves crazy and that's very unhuman like behavior and what humor and laughter helps to do is to connect people. It's personal, it's human, it's touching, it's it's interactive. That's what's missing in the world today. We're becoming so mechanical and so technical and so cyber-medicated that we've lost the human interaction. That's what oh, and, humor does. And so isolated. And as many of the medical studies are showing, social interaction is a huge factor in our health. Well, there's a, a great phrase that Dr. Carl Marcy up at Harvard uses when he talks about humor and laughter. He says it's the social contagion. And that's what it is. It's that lubricant between two people where they can laugh and interact. And laughter, when there is social interaction, regardless of the age, whether it's young people or adults, it's the ability to be together with other people. That's what increases the likelihood of there being humor and laughter. Listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast, then you'll love my new book. The second edition of How to Unbreak Your Health is your map to the world of complementary and alternative therapies. It features a new user-friendly format and 339 new and updated listings in 150 different categories. And you can get it on Amazon.com or at your local bookstore. What seems to be the position of doctors today as far as this type of therapy? I think with the new studies that come out, they see it and they hear it, but they're not yet totally convinced because, again, it dates back to the comment about the the pharmaceutical companies and the insurance companies. And if people found out a way to feel better without going to the doctor, without taking a pill, you know, that's going to have an impact on the the (laughs) business of this country. That's right. So I think doctors are aware of it. They keep hearing more and more studies. If you ever do a Google search on therapeutic humor or therapeutic laughter, And AATH has a huge, huge archive of those articles. So much is being written about it. I do think that the professional world, though, is still very stubborn in accepting it as fact. They look at it as happy talk, and that's nice, but you know what? If you take this pill, you can have this impact on your blood system. And and so they're not yet across that threshold of accepting it 
completely, which is a shame, but they're getting closer, and that's a good sign. Well, I know we've got some hospitals. I know a couple in New York City in particular have what they call clown care, so they're beginning to crack into the fortress of mainstream medicine to show that it really does have a very positive impact on health. More and more hospitals are creating caring clown units or they're implementing comedy crash carts so that the volunteers... <laughs> That's a great term. The comedy crash cart. I'd rather see that coming down the hall than the one with the EKG and the paddles, let me tell you. Absolutely. And more and more hospitals are implementing a comedy channel. or There's actually a chuckle channel that is available to hospitals to show you know, in room, in patients' rooms. And so you're seeing more and more hospitals, medical facilities kind of waking up to the fact that it helps. And I think that also goes back to a study that was done at UCLA that showed how humor doesn't eliminate the pain, but it improves the patient's tolerance to the pain. And this is especially important with children. They did this study with uh, children's hospital patients. You know how difficult and how frustrating it is for parents to see their children in, in a hospital, that if utilizing humor in some way can help the child endure the procedure that they're going through and make it through the treatment, that's going to speed up the healing process. And so uh, just from a pain tolerance standpoint, humor is so, so important. Speaking of children, Lenny, I had heard at one point that children smile and laugh over 400 times a day, and yet adults only smile and laugh 15 or 20 times a day on average. Well, you've, you've heard the myth, and it is a myth with a capital M, bold and underlined. It's a myth. We've okay. got people, AATH, among its many members, which are in the healthcare field and education, etc., We've got authors and speakers, and one of our authors is a gentleman named Rod Martin who has written a definitive book on the psychology of humor. He has researched it up and down and has never found the source, the true source, not the Googled reference to it, but the source of a study that has that kind of finding. What he has found is that it's social interaction, whether you're young or old, that will impact the number of times you laugh. So it is a myth, and if you hear someone who definitively comes out and says that that is a fact, they're wrong. It's just, it's a myth. So I hope I put that one to rest. Absolutely, and, and hopefully the, as this podcast stays on the web for eternity, we can do our two cents to put it to rest. That's wonderful. I like the fact of something <laughs> lasting into eternity, that decades and eons from now, somebody will hit a button and go, holy cow, how old are these two guys? This is from like <laughs> thousands of years ago. What are they talking about? We knew this. I hope that that happens. That or at least until the next upgrade, right? That's right. That's right. I've got to get a new machine. My machine <laughs> is out of date. Well, as you know, Lenny, research into the health benefits of laughter has really spawned a movement to add more laughter to the whole world with what are being called laughter clubs that are springing up all over the place. Absolutely. What do you think of these kind of laughter clubs? I love it. I love it. There are a couple of different philosophies. I think there is a commonly accepted Western philosophy and an Eastern philosophy. And here's, in my opinion, the simple definition between the two. The Eastern philosophy says you can put an individual in a room by himself, by herself. They can practice laughter yoga, laughing and making the body go through its various you know, physical gyrations and experience that euphoria. But the Western philosophy says why do it by yourself in a room? 
get some people together, interact, let the laughter come, again, from that social interaction. Frankly, I don't care if it's Eastern or Western, if people are laughing and they're helping to promote the benefits of healthy laughter therapy and, and humor therapy, that's what's important. So I am all for laughter clubs, laughter societies, laughter groups, whether it's in senior care, whether it's in actual healthcare facilities, in the workplace. I am all for anyone who knows that humor and laughter is, and I hate to use this phrase because it's so overused, but it is the best medicine. Oh, it really is. I'm sure you've heard the quote from Jonathan Swift, author of Gulliver's Travels from 400 years ago, who said the best doctors in the world are Dr. Diet, Dr. Quiet, and Dr. Merriman. <laughs> and poor Dr. Merriman's been ignored for a long time. The funniest thing about this field, and AATH has done such exhaustive research to be recognized as one of the main clearinghouses for humor and laughter information, that we found a great quote from Sydenham back in the Middle Ages, the Middle Ages, who said that the arrival of a good clown exercises a more beneficial influence upon the health of a town than 20 asses laden with drugs. <laughs> I mean, people have known this forever. But, you know, then business got involved and had to figure out how to make, how to make a nickel off of it. And mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, got in the way a little bit. But people have known this for ages. They've known it for ages. We know it instinctively. That's right. That's right. Can any, speaking of AATH, can anyone join the organization or do you have to actually be working in the field to become a member? AATH welcomes anyone who is interested in learning more or is practicing humor and laughter in healthcare, in the workplace, in education. We've got professionals. We've also got people who just being a, like being around a fun group of people. We kind of identify our mission as being a community of professionals who study, practice, and promote healthy humor and laughter. But if, you know, in a quick phrase, I'd say that AATH is the home for humor and laughter professionals. We're the place where people come because there is no place where they feel like they're understood. We get what they do. Their primary professional associations, whether it's the AMA or some teachers association, they don't quite get the humor and laughter thing, so to speak. AATH is where you're surrounded by people who get it. We understand. And so when people come to an AATH conference, they feel like, I've found my home. I've found my people. That's the beauty of when AATH gets together, whether it's at its annual conference or in regional gatherings around the country. And on that topic, when is the next big AATH event? I'm glad you asked, Alan. You're very good. <laughs> April 2nd, you're a very good interviewer. I like that. Well, April, the April, help. April 2nd to the 5th, 2009, in Las Vegas, Nevada, AATH is going to have its 22nd, not its first, its 22nd and annual conference and uh, we'll be getting together for three and a half days of workshops, keynotes. We'll be offering CMEs and CEUs, and it's going to bring together people from around the world. We've got members in 14 countries. So this is, A, not a new association. It's been around since 1987, and it's not just, you know, United States of America or North America. At our conference last year, we had someone from China. We had someone from Australia. We had someone from Great Britain. So they come together to really network with the other professionals working in the field 
And as I said before, to be around a fun group of people who like studying, practicing, and promoting healthy humor and laughter. Well, Lenny, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk with me about laughter and humor therapy and also for the wonderful work of AATH. Thank you, Alan. I hope that people have a chance to visit AATH on the web at aath.org, and it's all there for them to discover. And thank you for shedding additional light on the positive benefits of humor and laughter therapy. Thank you, Lenny. You've been listening to the podcast edition of Unbreak Your Health, discovering the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'll be back again next week with another edition, but to learn more about our guest today, please visit the podcast page at www.unbreakyourhealth.com. We'd love to hear from you about this program. Please send your questions and comments to info at unbreakyourhealth.com. This program is a joint production of Unbreak Your Health and Loving Healing Press. Thank you for listening. I'm Alan Smith, and I look forward to being with you again soon. 